Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Thank you for the gift of today. Thank you, Almighty God, for what you are going to do in our midst. We bless you. We give you praise. We thank you. May your words enter our hearts profoundly today to change us to, to, to change our lives in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the love which has no bound. Thank you for everything you've done. We give you praise. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Today, I'm going to be talking about a topic I've called No Divorce Ever from His Love. No Divorce Ever from His Love. If you remember, two weeks ago, I preached a message called The Love Code, which talked about the fact that God came through for Abraham when Abraham was on the mount and when God said to Abraham that Abraham should go to the mount to go and sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And I explained that the love code on the mount there was the fact that God not just not only provided a ram, a substitute ram to take place of Isaac, but God also showed a revelation to Abraham that on the mount of the Lord, there it will be seen, there it will be provided. And I explained that what will be seen, what will be provided on the mount of the Lord was the salvation which the lord jesus was going to bring to the world and when jesus christ said abraham saw my day i rejoiced he was referring to that experience on the mountain which means the love of god cannot really be taught it's a revelation it's a revelation that comes as you open up your heart to see the truth which the bible teaches revelation is not something that is based on head knowledge Revelation is what? Is a heart understanding. So as we go through this message, I'm asking you to allow your heart to be opened to receive the truth of the word of God. Last week, I speak on a message I've called, You are the delight of the Lord, which means God delights in you. And I gave an illustration about how God taught me about his delight of me. It was a picture of a father leaning over the crib where a child was was placed and the father was singing for that child and god said to me you are that child in the crib and i am the father leaning over you and singing songs for you so today we continue in the discourse of love and we're going to be talking about the fact that nothing in this world can divorce you or separate you from the love of god that is in christ jesus the main text we're going to be looking at today is from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. But I will focus on 38 to 39 first, and then I will back up to 31 to 39 to just give everything in context. Now, to really understand the reason or the importance of this message, you need to understand that Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the saints that were in a city called Rome. Now, the Romans were the world superpower during the time of Apostle Paul. And the Romans believed in the concept of many gods. And with the Romans, you don't ever, ever, you know, uh, mess up with their gods. You know, you mess up with their gods, they do something against you. But it is in the, within the context of these people, of this, you know, um, this multi-theistic uh, uh, environment that paul brought the concept of the one true god and when the message of the gospel was preached to the people that were in rome the 
the, the a number of them gave their lives to Jesus. And Apostle Paul began to write about the love, the grace, the freedom, the righteousness which this God has brought into the world. If you want to think about the whole Bible as a love uh, novel or as a love book, which was written by God to explain a discourse of his love from the beginning to the end, the book of Romans will be the pinnacle of the love story. What do I mean by that? It is the book that explained in different ways how much God loved us, how much God has loved us, how much God loves us, and how much God will continue to love us. And when we get to the book of Romans chapter 8, the, the chapter 8 actually is a pinnacle of all of the construct about the love of God. This is the reason why this chapter is very important. The context behind this chapter essentially is that is the icing on the cake, is it is the is the is the um the crown, the crowning story of the love that God has for us. And in there you see a number of questions were posed. Those questions were posed for the purpose of causing us to think deeply. To reassess our thinking process so that we can come to the same conclusion. Maybe we'll be able to cover the questions today, all of the questions, maybe not. I don't know, depending on the way the Holy Spirit leads me. But at some point, I'm going to come back to these questions to explain the seven questions that were posed between Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to Romans chapter 8, verse 39. There were seven questions that were posed, posed to you and posed to any reader to allow them to think through about the love of God, about what God has done for them, about the immutability of the counsel of God. Praise God. So, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39 reads, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, you notice there's a word here called persuaded. Say, I am persuaded. That word is from the Greek word pehetho. And pehetho means to trust, to have confidence in, to make friends of, or to win one's favor, or to gain one's goodwill. Which means this person didn't have the same viewpoint before, but by virtue of something demonstrated, or by virtue of certain convincing or compelling reasons, the person now began to say, look, I'm persuaded. Now, the tense that was used to explain pehitho is actually a tense that implies that this was a persuasion that had occurred in Paul's life in the past. But it's still so strong today that it continues to be his conviction in the present. So, Pehitho refers to being persuaded, being convinced, being won over that was um, something that happened in the past, that was real in the past, and that continues to be real in the present. It's like the same way the word sozo in the Bible is used. The word sozo, which when the Bible says, for those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word sozo is the word that means was saved 
and it's being saved which means you had the salvation experience to give your life to jesus or, be, or to become a child of god that experience was real then and that experience is still real today because god continues to save you so we have been we have been saved we are being saved we will continue to be saved all right so it's it's an all-inclusive verb or an action that was valid in the past valid in the present that will continue to be valid in the future so pitho essentially is saying i am persuaded or, or or i was persuaded and i am persuaded now and i will continue to be persuaded of what of the love of god that is in christ jesus what is the persuasion anchored upon go back to the test i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus so essentially it's making a statement that is filled with conviction that death or life or angels or powers and so on and so forth can never separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord then this begs the question when he used the word persuaded what does that really mean it meant there must be a time when he was not persuaded there must be a time when he didn't know about the love of god there was a time when somebody asked him about do you do, do you know that god loves you so oh, i don't really know i'm not really sure i'm not really sure about that but now he's got to the point where he said i have been persuaded and i remain convinced how did paul get to the place of this persuasion of this confidence in the love of god because god himself persuaded him God persuaded Paul with his love that was demonstrated. God persuaded Paul through the reading of the word. God persuaded Paul when Paul was in the jailhouse and he was all alone and there was nobody to help him and he felt the presence of God right there in the jailhouse. God persuaded Paul when he was he was lost in sea, at sea rather, and he could have died and be forgotten and God showed up to him and said, you are not going to die here, you're going to get to where you're going. And as God shown himself to you in profound ways, it might be truly helpful of somebody that you didn't know could help you it might be through uh, you know a, a right word in season it might be showing you a vision of what's about to happen in your life it might be preparing you ahead for the things that are yet to come as god revealed his love to you in a way that you can understand my prayer for you and i will be to really understand that the love of god goes beyond what we go through that the love of god goes beyond our personal experiences there was a time when Paul was not so confident about the love of God. When was this time? This time was when he was called Saul. Paul used to be Saul. And at the time when he was Saul, he was a legalist. He was somebody that the Bible calls the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was a man learned, learned in the ways of his fathers. He understand Judaism so much. He was one of the top guys in there. And the Bible says when the believers started to come out and started to talk about Jesus, he was the one at the forefront throwing them into jailhouses and knocking them off. Why? Because he didn't understand the love of God. And when he was doing all of this stuff, throwing people into prison and 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 um persecuting the believers he thought he was doing the work of god there are many people today that go to churches you know they preach a good sermon in their own opinion but the sermon they preach knock people down never built the love of god in people never showed people how much god loved them 
They are people today that preach a message where people leave church and they feel so condemned, feel like, man, my life is worth nothing. There are people that preach people into guilt, so, so much so that somebody says, oh man, there's no hope here. And they will say to you, well, we are doing the work of God. But when somebody came to Jesus and said, Master, what must I do to do the work of God? Jesus Christ said to him, this is the work of God. The work of God is what? That you believe in the one whom he has sent. So today, God is asking me to share with you a message that is titled, No Divorce Ever from His Love. Why is that? Because when Paul encountered the love of God, his name was changed from Saul and his name became Paul. He was doing all of the work for God, you know, doing all of the religious duty for the lord but he never knew the love of god romans 8 35 says who shall ever that was where the question started from who shall ever separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus who shall ever or what shall ever what can ever separate us ever separate us ever separate us from the love of god this message was laid on my heart by god a couple of weeks ago so coming out of my house and walking to my car and I heard God say, to me, say, say, say this to me that when my people go through tribulations they start to wonder if I still love them they start to wonder if I still love them and God reminded me go back what did I say in Romans 8.35 and what he said in Romans 8.35 is who shall ever separate us from Christ's love shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword what can ever separate us from the love of god let us pray heavenly father help us to see through the fog this morning and perceive clearly the love that you have for us not just perceive father i pray that lord your people will experience this love in a profound way in the name of jesus father i pray that this love of god that you have for us may be real to us than the clanging, clanging sounds of the world system in Jesus' name. I pray, Almighty God, that our heart will be flooded with the light of your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Who shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus with tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long we are regarded as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us i am convinced i am persuaded and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of god which is in christ jesus our lord when you look at this text the first question that was asked here in this text i'm not looking at verse 31 first i'm looking at verse this verse 35 the first question that was asked is what who shall separate us from the love of god who shall ever separate us from the love of christ who shall ever separate us from the love of christ before he began to list those things that we could go through in this life that may make us to perceive that god had left us that the love of god is no longer with us before he began to list those things there are seven things that he listed in this text before he listed those seven things he asked a question first 
he has a question for us. This is the same Paul now who had been beaten many times, who had been thrown overboard on the sea, who had almost died doing different things for the Lord, persecuted in different ways, but he was still asking the same question. You cannot understand the love of God without revelation. So that's why I'm praying that God will reveal his love to us, that everything that is blocking our eyes or our heart from seeing this love will be removed in the name of Jesus. The question that was asked is, who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Now, the key word there is separate. That word is from the Greek word korizo. And korizo means to place a room between, to part, to go away, to depart, to put asunder, to separate. And the picture that God gave me is this. Imagine, imagine. Imagine, let me find you something that may that will work. Imagine you have imagine you have these two books, right? Have these two books. This a separate books, a separate book, right? And I put them together like this. Right? I glue them together like this. Yeah. In order for me to put them asunder, what will I do? I will put something in here. I'll put something, so maybe I'll find something like a, like a coin. I'll put that, I'll try to use it to wedge it, to, to open it all up. Alright. So, but to, at the moment, two separate books put together. What is it? One whole book, right? But it is together. It's joined together. Now, I want to show you a scripture. There's a scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. It says, he that join he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. Or in the Amplified Version, it says, But the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. KJV says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Okay, so that word joined in this text in the Greek is the word kolaho. And kolaho simply, simply means glue. So the Bible essentially is that if you are glued to the Lord, you have become one with the Lord. There's no separating the believer from Christ. So, first of all, get understand, get that that you are glued to Jesus so much so, as far as God is concerned, there's no separating Jesus from you. Okay. Now, now that you understand your union with Christ, let's go back to that text, Romans eight thirty five. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The word separate is to divorce. Corizo, to put to put a room between. So when I when I ponder the scripture, the picture that God gave me is this book here is joined together, right? There's no room in between. There's no room in between. If you can see, there's no room in between. This book is joined together. No room at all. That's what he's saying. Who can put a room in between? Who can ever put a room between us and the love of Christ? Who can ever put a room like this in between us? The Bible says, began to call those things that you could go through in this life that may make you think, oh, there's not a room between me and Christ. The other way to look at this is, um, you are in a room, like I'm in a room here. Let's say, for example, I'm inside here. I'm inside the same room with Christ. But the moment that somebody puts a door in between us and put Christ outside of that door, 
we have been what separated we're no longer in the same spatial environment you see what i mean he has been we have been separated we have been divorced okay now for anyone who has been through divorce you know that divorce is one of the heartbreaking experience that anybody could ever have imagine two people fall fell in love two people you know people two people are in love to the point where they said they're gonna get married to one another but along the way things happen things happen we don't treat ourselves well or some or one of us is a liar whatever it is things happen and we have to put asunder these things it comes with what a lot of emotional turbulence tears people apart causes problems everywhere you begin to wonder where was the love that brought them together in the first place but these things happen in a husband and wife relationship where the bible says it's akin to the relationship between christ and the body god has placed the marriage union as one of the highest kind of relationship that one could ever have but we can see we see that divorce happens in this world tears family apart makes people to start to doubt themselves not just them even people that are related to them their family members it's a big burden on the heart but god says you may have been through a divorce your husband may have not treated you well or your wife may have not treated you well you may have been through a divorce and you may right now be thinking because of the divorce i have gone through or that i'm going through maybe god doesn't love me you may be looking at god through the lens of your husband or through the lens of your wife and god sent me here to tell you there is no divorce ever from my love for you and my love for you is not subject to circumstances my love for you is not subject to situations my love for you is not subject to performances or even things you have done and things you haven't done the bible says who shall ever separate us who is it that has the power to ever separate us from the love of christ another word he uses what is ever ever means it is is it ever possible is a word that denotes finality something that is remotely even considered to be considered ours is not possible nobody can separate us nobody can put a wedge between us the passion translation says this way it says nobody can put a wedge between us and omnipotent love i love that nobody can put a wedge a wedge see i'm talking about putting a door between two people here somebody's in one room and the other person's in another room that's even far-fetched a wedge is you know you you have you have that same those two books are brought earlier and i try to put the coin to 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 to, to stay in between them that's a wedge it is not possible do you see what i'm saying here is that the love that god has for you nothing can come between you and that love nothing on this earth nothing in the, nothing in heaven nothing under the earth can come between you and the love that god has for you you cannot be separated from christ because you are already joined together with him the reason that you cannot be there, there cannot be a distance between you and god so so for example if somebody pray and say oh lord please don't leave me you can see how stupid that prayer is when you understand the meaning of this text this text says nothing can ever separate you from the love of god nothing can put a room between you and god nothing can put a distance between you and the love that god has for you the question that may then come to you is that why is that possible why is it possible that no nothing can ever separate you from the love of god because the question was asking who can separate us who can separate us ever from the love of god 
the answer is no and i've given you the reason why the answer is no is because you are already glued together with the lord those two books i brought earlier in order for those two books to be joined together they had to be glued together that's how you are glued to the lord you are glued to the lord so much so you cannot be separated from him so you cannot be separated from god from the law for you it is not possible so now the bible says in romans 8 32 he who did not spare even his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things bible essentially is saying because god loved us so much enough to send his beloved son to die for us nothing can get in the way of that love nothing can get in the way of the love that god has for us so much that he sent his own son to die in our place nothing and no one can get in the way of that love the love that god has for you is unconditional the love that god has for you is unlimited the love that god has for you is unfathomable the love that god has for you is something that can never be extinguished the bible says that many waters cannot overcome love the bible says book of songs of solomon that my beloved the love that i have for you is stronger than death you know death is what people fear most in this world and the bible says that even if death were come to come knocking today that death cannot separate you cannot put a room between you and the love of god praise god isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 says though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed says the lord who has had compassion on you now remember the bible makes us to understand that the love of god is a love that is a covenanted love what does that mean it's a loyal love the love of god doesn't show up today and go tomorrow the love of god will not be divorced from you the love of god cannot will not can never be divorced from you why is that because the bible says in the book of hebrews chapter 13 5 hebrews chapter 13 5 the bible says let your life be free from greed for he himself had said i will never ever leave you nor forsake you now the word ever there is the word umi o-u hyphen m-e umi and umi in the greek means or is a word that denotes absoluteness which means it will never ever ever happen god says i will never ever ever leave you or forsake you in the amplified version it says i will not release my hold upon your life i will not let you go no i will not in fact in the in the um in the amplified version the word i will not i will not i think was repeated about three or four times which shows that god is trying to get a message across to you i have said before that if god says to you i will not leave you alone one word from god is enough and if god says i will not and i will not leave you alone that is two words that god two times that god is saying it so that you can you can embrace it if god says it three or four times you better be paying attention god didn't have to say more than one time did he but if he said it one time you didn't catch it he said it twice he didn't catch it he said it three times or four times you better catch it you better allow your heart to believe that you better allow your heart to rest on that you better allow your heart to believe that god though is not in the business of spraying words without reason that god is not in the business of just throwing words out without purpose every word that god speaks carry power the bible says that by the word of the lord where the heavens made by the word of the lord where the heavens heavens made by the breath of his mouth god set things in place by the word of the lord where the heavens made so god made the heavens and god made the earth by the spoken word i think it's psalm 33 god made the heavens and the, and the earth by his spoken word 
by the spoken word of God. Now notice one not one thing: the word, the world, the universes are also maintained. by Book of Hebrews tells us they are also maintained by the word of God. So God is not in the business of just throwing words out. He's not in the business of that. That's why the Bible says, "By two immutable things, by which it was impossible for God to lie, we may have hope." We have hope in God because by two immutable things by which it is impossible for God to lie. God had made a promise to us. God made a promise by his own word. The promise of God and the oath of God. Those are the two things that give us assurance that when God, when God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, that the mountains may be shaken and the ears may be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, will not be shaken, will not be shaken, or my covenant of peace be removed. God is not playing tricks. God is not talking things that he didn't mean. God never said a word that he never meant. God never meant a word that he never said. God, Whatever God says, that's what God means. This is why Jesus Christ said in the book of John, he said, the scriptures cannot be broken. The scriptures cannot be broken. This is the word that God is saying to you. He said, who shall ever separate you from the love of Christ? And he began to now name those things with tribulation. Tribulation. What is tribulation? Tribulation means to press together. It's from the Greek word to me, to press together. God says, when you are pressed together by the system of the world, will you say to me that I have left you? The next word was mentioned was distress. Distress means narrowness of place. Imagine you're driving on a road. All of a sudden, the road became narrow. You can hardly come out of the place. God says, if you find yourself in the pickle, you find yourself in a place where you can't even breathe properly. It seems like you can't go through it. Some things are pressing you on the left-hand side. You know, tribulation happens first, then the next thing is distress, right? So, you are pressed on, on, on all sides. You are pressed on all sides. You are pressed on all sides. Right? But, after a while, you are getting to become distressed, which means you are coming to the narrowness of place. The narrowness of place. Then the next one is persecution. It is not enough to be pressed together. You get keep getting squeezed, right? In that place where you feel like you are not going to make it, persecution comes. Somebody starts to flog you in that place. Then they take food away from you or provision away from you, which is farming. Farming means destitution, scarcity of food. Nothing is happening. And then they took your clothes away. They took your dignity away. You are, in, you are nude now. No clothes behind your back. And not only that, you are exposed to danger and peril. So much so fear redo your heart. And the last word is sword. Sword essentially is from the Greek word that means a large knife used for killing animals and cutting up the flesh. So somebody might come in and even say they want to cut off your head. So essentially... What is God saying to us based on this text when he says, Who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? He says, Is it when you are pressed together by life? Is it when you are in a distressed atmosphere when it seems like life is squeezing life out of you? Is it when, when you are persecuted, when all hell is breaking loose in your life? 
Is that when you're going to say, oh, God has left me. God has departed away from me. Is it when there's scarcity in the world? There's famine. People cannot eat food properly. Is that when you will say, God has left you alone? What if you don't have any clothes on your back? What if you are living in destitution? God forbid. God forbid. But if you find yourself in destitution or nudity, or you are facing danger day and night, or even to the point where your life is on the line, are you going to say, God has abandoned me? Are you going to say, oh, that means God no longer loves me? People of God, we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. It does not mean God no longer loves you. The Bible says many waters cannot quench the love of God for you. The love of God for you is not just an emotional reaction. It's a love that transcends all human knowledge. So permit me to show you some things over the next 15 minutes that the Father shared with me that will be a blessing to you. Again, if I don't finish this message, I'll pick it up next week. There's no rush around it. But I want you to leave today with a consciousness that the love of God is not a cliche. The love that God has for us at times can be a cliche. It's like, oh, God loves me. Oh, God loves me. Everybody says it. But do you know it? When you know the love of God, especially when you have done things that you expect the opposite and God steps in right there and his mercy speaks for you, then you begin to get an inkling about this love of God that surpasses knowledge. The Bible says in verse 36, because we go through tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and even the danger of the sword, God says it is not new because it has been written and forever remains written that for the sake of God we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. What is he saying? He's saying, whether you like to agree with me or not, if you're a Christian in this world, you are going to face challenges. You're going to face challenges. My wife has lost a job before one time when she, when somebody was having a mental breakdown and she said, look, I can pray for you. But it's, oh, no, 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 no. They went to a reporter and then she lost a job. That's persecution for the sake of righteousness so if you have lived on this earth long enough and you are pursuing the things of God and you are pursuing the things of Christ you are going to face persecution in fact part of the job description we have is that we are going to face persecution if you look at the whole thing the whole thing going on in the world today wokeism you can't say what you what you need to say the things that used to be taboos many years ago are no longer taboos now and people of god i kid you not <laughs> with some of the things that god has shown me uh, has some dream i've had some dreams lately it's quite scary dreams the world is going to go into some serious <laughs> serious dark place all right so you better know this love of god you better know this love of God. You better embrace this love of God. You better not be caught sleeping and napping. You better know how much God loves you. It is not about how much you love God. It's about how much God loves you. Knowing how much God loves you changes the parameters. The Bible says even when we go through fam famine or nakedness or persecution or distress or tribulation or danger or sword, verse 37 says, 
yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us the bible says in all these things what things what are these things that they are referring to they're referring to in all these things around tribulation distress persecution famine nakedness danger sword when these seven things happen in all of these things when this when any of these seven things show up in our lives the bible says we are more than conquerors and we gain an overwhelming victory how through him who loved us so much that he died for us bible says it is through the christ who lives on the inside of us through him we have gained overwhelming victory we will gain overwhelming victory and that's why we can say we are more than conquerors to be more than conqueror is a big deal not only is it a big deal to be a conqueror but when god says now you are more than conqueror it means you are more than conqueror you are you experience overwhelming victory the word conqueror here more than conqueror here is the word upanikau upanikau in greek means to vanquish beyond to gain a decisive victory god says to you and sends me to tell you god has sent me to tell you this morning that even when you face persecution or tribulation or you are being pressed together when you are being dis- going to distress if it ever happens in your life that you got persecuted or there's famine in the world or there's nakedness in this world where you are subject to peril and danger and sorrow or the danger of even losing your life god sent me here to tell you that in all of these things you are going to be what more than conqueror you are going to have what we call upanikau you are going to have an experience to have a decisive victory the bible says you are going to gain an overwhelming victory how is that possible through him who loved you through him who loved you in the passion translation it says that it is his love it is his love that has given us surpassing victory it is through the knowledge of this love of God that gives us surpassing victory. How can we have overwhelming victory? How can we gain an overwhelming victory when we go through these challenges? The Bible makes us to understand is because Christ has already won the victory and we have been included in the victory parade. Praise be to God. We always leads us to triumph in christ jesus the bible says praise be to god who always leads us in triumph in christ jesus which means when things are going well you are led in triumph when things are not going well you are led in triumph god essentially is saying your starting position is that of a victor your starting position is victory you are already in the camp that won Therefore, when you face life's challenges, remember that you face, you are, you are coming from a point of view of victory, that you are already in the camp that won already. Therefore, from the place of victory now, you can face the life's challenges. You don't look at life and say, this is going to take me over. This is going to win me over. I'm going to die in this matter. Nothing's going to work for me. You don't say those things because when you say those things, you have judged that matter greater than Calvary. But when you look at life and say, the one who died for me and won the victory at Calvary's hill, 
has already included me in that victory parade therefore i am a winner i'm a victor all the time it may not look like it in the natural but i'm a winner it may not look at like it's going to work but i'm a winner how do i make this winner mindset work for me philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is yours in christ jesus the bible says your faith becomes effective as you acknowledge as you embrace as you as you as you say these things that are already mine in christ they are already mine in christ as you acknowledge and agree that the things which christ has said about you about the victory that you have that are already yours the bible says your vict- your faith becomes victorious your faith becomes effective right when you acknowledge all the good things that you already have in christ jesus so when you acknowledge that you are born into victory when you acknowledge christ has won the victory when you acknowledge and allow that to dominate your heart that christ already won the victory and that you and that he has included you in the victory parade of, of of himself then the bible says that's when you begin to do what become more than conqueror you become more than conqueror when you know that he loves you he loved you and he will continue to love you praise god forevermore so Christ has won the victory. When did he win the victory? The Bible makes us to understand in Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 to 15. The Bible says he made an open shame of the devil, triumphing over them at the cross. He made an open shame of the devil. All the principalities and powers and rules of darkness, Christ made an open shame of them, triumphing over them in it. In what? In the cross. So which means when he hung on the cross... To the outside world, it was a detestable, shameful death. But in the realm of the spirit, something began to happen. It was a victory call. It was a a sign of victory. The cross represented to the world a detestable death. But to God, it was the ultimate victory that God has had now over death, over sin, over sickness, over anything that could befall you. So no matter what you face, when these seven things show up in your life, when and if, when they show up, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, never forget that these things have been paid for. These things, you have already got the victory over them. Where? At the cross. At the cross, when Christ was was hung on that cross, he won that victory for you. The victory he won, he won for you. The victory he won at Calvary's Hill, he won that victory for you. And that's why he included you in that victory parade. So when he hung on the cross and said it is finished, he's saying everything that is needed to bring you home, everything that is needed to give you the victory that you need in this life, everything that is needed to make you a child of God, to make you to be united together with God, everything that is needed to ensure that you are never divorced from God has been done. So therefore, the only way you can be divorced from the love of God is if there was no Calvary, if Christ never died on the cross. But because he died on the cross and he has secured you back to himself, there's no way in heaven, there's no way in hell, there's no way under the earth, there's no way on this earth that you can ever, ever be divorced from this love. That's why when the Bible says here in verse 37, yet in all these things, in the middle of these things that we may be going through, God says, you are more than conqueror. Why are you more than conqueror? Why do you gain overwhelming victory? Because it is through him. Who is the him? The Jesus 
who lives in, on the inside of you. It is through him who loved you. How did he love you? The Bible here says so much that he died for you. When did he die for you? He died for you at Calvary's hill. So Calvary now becomes a symbol of love. Calvary becomes the highest epitome of the victory of love. The highest symbol of the victory that, of the love that God has for you. When you think about does God love me? Think about it. The Bible says he who did not spare his only begotten son but gave him up for us. How much more will he not with him freely give us all things? So when you start to wonder, does God love me when you face persecution? Go and look at the cross. And remember that if he gave him up for you at the cross, when you were even still his enemy, how much more now that you are his friend, how much more now that you are his son and daughter, will he not also, will he, will he not also with him freely give you all things? Hallelujah. So, I am convinced. I am convinced. And continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present or things threatening or things to come or powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing we able to separate we'll be able to separate us from the unlimited love of god which is in christ jesus our lord hallelujah man i have to stop here i have to stop here let me tell you what what god is showing me here next week i will unpack verse 38 to 39 i will take each one of these things that apostle paul after he had experienced the love of god began to say the things that we could go through in this life that could separate that could mean that that could mean when we interpret it just like somebody look at the cross and said oh this is a, it's a detestable death somebody hanging on the cross god has lost god failed but behind the scene god actually won so when you face these things whether it is death or or life or angels or demons or things that to attack you what should be going in your mind is i am convinced and persuaded that even when i face these things they cannot separate me from omnipotent love they cannot separate me from unlimited love of god hallelujah praise god forevermore let's go back to the text romans 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 chapter 8 hallelujah what shall separate us what shall divorce us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. What shall put a wedge between us and omnipotent love? What shall put a room between us and unlimited love? What shall put a, 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 a distance between us and the unlimited love of God for us in Christ? The Bible says no. There's nothing. Now notice here it says, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. But when he got to verse 38, he said, I am convinced. When he asked the question in verse 35, he was not convinced. It was a question that I was asking. But he began to list those things that you could go through that may make you to think that maybe God has left you alone. And then he got to the end of it and I began to name some amazing things, which I'm going to cover next week, right? That you could experience in this life. That and this is, I am persuaded. Remember the word persuaded means to, 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 to win over. It means that there was a time when Paul was not won over. But now after he has experienced God, he has experienced all these things. Maybe he had experienced shipwreck and being beaten and being thrown overboard when he had money, when he didn't have money, always coming through over and over and over and over and over. When he thought he was going to lose he was going to lose everything and God just came through over and over and over. After all of this, he looked back and said, no, I'm persuaded. 
Can you take a moment and think about your life? Think about how far that you have come. Think about how far you have come. I don't care whether you're 15 or 14 or 12 or 10 or 50 or 60 or 70 years old and you're listening to this. Think about how you have come. The mistakes you had made that other people maybe in your age group had made it and they never made it. Or think about the challenges that you've been through that you could have lost your mind. Think about the things that you have been through in this life, but you are still here standing. You are still here standing. God is still helping you and keeping you and upholding you. And I want you to know that it was the love that God has for you that keeps you. The Bible says, says we are more than conqueror through him that loved us. It is when you know him that loved you. You know, not just only know him as God, know him as the one who loves you. Right? That's when you gain that overwhelming victory. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, Almighty God, this morning to understand that we can never be divorced, separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we didn't know you, you paid a price. How much more now that we are your children? The Bible says, how much more now will you, uh, will you save us from the wrath? Lord, it don't, doesn't matter what the system of the world is saying. It doesn't matter what is going on in the economy. It doesn't matter what is going on in the world. It doesn't matter how many wars are coming up left, right, and center, and the heart of people are failing. Lord, there's one thing we have known, that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Your love will keep us. Your love will help us. Your love will uphold us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God forevermore. Now, um, yesterday in prayer meeting, there was a scripture I shared. If we go to Psalm 33, the Bible here says that, um, I think it's verse 4, says that God loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The unfailing love of the earth, of the Lord fills the earth. Then it says, He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. I'm going to be talking about this in, 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 in the future, about what God shared with me about when even when family shows up in the world, the father is going to rescue his own children. And let that encourage you. Praise God forevermore. So as you live here, remember, he that is joined with the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with him. And the word join, like I said earlier, is from the Greek word that means to be glued together. So as you live here, don't see yourself separate from God. Don't see yourself separate from Jesus. Everywhere you go, Jesus goes. Everything you face, Jesus faces them together with you. Right? So just carry this conscious awareness that you are never separate from God. And when you carry this conscious awareness, you know what's going to happen? The way you speak will be different. The way you talk will be different. Even the way you pray will be different. You will not be saying, Lord, as we go, go with us. You will not be praying that kind of prayer because when you pray that prayer, you are saying, God is you are not God does not live on the inside of you. How can God not go with you when he lives on the inside of you? See what I mean? Alright, so God is gonna begin to help to change the language that you speak, the words that you speak, even your your visualization, what you see, how you see the how you see life, your paradigms, your lens will begin to change, and that will help you, you know, in the way you face life. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Now, if you have never known the love of God. You've never known the love of God. This message just goes over just this message just goes over your head because you have not really learned the love of God. I want to pray for you. 
pray that you see, you God will reveal himself to you by his powerful grace. Father, I pray, Almighty God, for your children, those who, even at this point, I still have not really understood the love of God, that your grace, Lord, will impact their hearts powerfully in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you yank away everything that has covered our eyes from seeing your love, from knowing your love, from experiencing your love. That, Almighty God, every one of us here, Lord, we experience the unlimited love of God in a new profound way, even this coming week, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, we pray amen now if you have never known jesus jesus you have never known him as lord and savior then you cannot even express the love of god i want to invite you this morning to consider giving your giving your life to jesus or yielding to the lordship of jesus and how do you do that you just got to believe in your heart that jesus christ is lord and he had paid the price for the sins of the entire world including your own and that now you are vocalizing with your mouth that you have made him or you are making him your lord and savior and when the bible says when you say that when you when you call upon the name of the lord you shall be saved all right so it's a simple prayer i'm going to lead you in and just repeat after me say dear lord jesus thank you for what you have done thank you for your love i don't understand it but help me to believe this morning i acknowledge that you died for me and you died as me. Thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid. Lord Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and my personal Savior. Thank you for having me. I believe in my heart, and therefore I confess with my mouth that you are Lord over everything in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for having me. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. If you've said that with your mouth, believe that in your heart, you are a child of God. Please write to the church, light at the lighthouse.org, and we shall ship you a document, a, a book called The Call to Sonship. It's going to begin to call you what is the highest calling of God for your life is the fact that you are made meant to be molded into the image of the Lord Jesus. All right. And it's going to teach you one, teach you one or two things about who you are in Christ. All right. Until next time, remember, you're blessed. And highly favored. Thank you for worshiping with us. We believe that you have been blessed. To watch the replay of this service, please go to our YouTube channel at the Lighthouse Church. We also have a video vault of all our services on our website at www.thelighthouse.org. We hope to see you again on Sunday at 8 a.m. UK time, Wednesday at 6 p.m. UK time for our Bible Hangout and on Saturday at 6 a.m. UK time for prayers. We have Metamorphor every first Wednesday of the month where we invite you to ask questions regarding grace that you would like our guests to talk about. You can send your questions to the live chat on the website www.thelighthouse.org You can also send an email to light at thelighthouse.org To support the church, you can give by scanning the code on the screen to give through PayPal or you can make a bank transfer by using the details displayed on your screen. Follow us on all our socials. We are on YouTube, Facebook, IG, X, TikTok and LinkedIn and we post all information across these channels. Simply type the username displayed on your screen and follow. We hope you enjoy your week. Until next time, God bless you.